for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to David Lombardi, who covers the San Francisco 49ers for The Athletic, about what he's looking for in OTAs. Also, on Friday, the announcement from longtime veteran center in the NFL, Alex Mack, that he is going to retire. So the 49ers now have a void on the offensive line. We can talk about that, of course, and some Jimmy Garoppolo with David Lombardi, who joins me next. Today is Monday. June 6th. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, David Lombardi, covers the San Francisco 49ers for The Athletic. And uh, David, we got some stuff to talk about, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, we, we always seem to have something to talk about. There has been no offseason this offseason, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, kind of across the NFL and uh, and certainly surrounding the 49ers with Debo Samuel and Jimmy Garoppolo and all that stuff. But uh, in terms of what's going on right now, uh, uh, when you get out to OTAs this time of year, what is it you're looking at? What, what kind of stuff are you paying attention to? What do you like to see? What don't you like to see? What's the best part about camp this time of year? You know, to be honest, most productive part of this time of the year is getting to associate some faces to names and getting to associate jersey numbers to certain players. You know, you're just getting to know the team, right? Because they don't have pads on yet. And during the first OTA session that was open to the media, the 49ers didn't even run any 11-on-11 stuff with helmets on. They they tossed their helmets off to the side and they were going walk-through speed. So you're going to see a lot of reports coming out of these OTAs that, to me, I, I just feel they're grasping at straws because you don't really – get much out of OTAs. You can't. And, you know, people want to pretend that, that they're getting a ton out of OTAs, that they're learning all the state secrets and they're, they're going to know the depth chart for September 8th or whenever the season starts. But the truth is that the real meat doesn't come until training camp. So I think OTA is just a good chance to be back out on the practice field, network a little bit, talk with some people, just, you know, see who's wearing what number. You might be able to see who's fast, who can move, you know, a little bit because, Obviously, that doesn't go away, but without the pads on, the physical aspect of football isn't there, and it's not the same sport. So, to be honest, it's more of a fun event, and training camp is when the real work happens. Like, I remember listening to some of the senior beat writers, guys like Matt Barrows, Matt Mayoko, have been around for a long time, talking about when Terrell Owens showed up to camp, and they were like, man, we knew he was big, but we didn't know he was quite as big or quite as much of a freak as he was when he showed up to camp. Is there anybody you've seen, I know it happened in the past with guys like Trent Williams when they show up, Javon Kinlaw, is there anybody you saw a trait or a nugget about that, that you thought, man, that guy is a freak, that guy can be special? Well, Danny Gray is really fast. And like I said, from the speed perspective, you could tell who could move. So the thing is, all NFL players are fast, but I think that Danny Gray might have that extra gear. And that's what the 49ers thought on tape. And I think, you know, if you look at one of the mic'd up videos from the other day, Jimmy Ward is covering Danny Gray on a deep ball. And Jimmy Ward says, whoa, I mean, he tells Danny Gray, you, you can move. You've got some speed. And <laughs> when you have an NFL player who's not slow complimenting you on your speed, that means you probably have another gear. And that's impressive. And that's exactly what the 49ers want out of Danny Gray because they're looking for a player who could not only run those, you know, quick little bubble screens and then take off of the football and, and, and run by people that way, but they also want somebody to run some deep patterns, just, you know, even if they don't throw it to them all the time to force that defense to take a couple steps back. And that gives Debo Samuel and other guys like George Kittle more room to operate underneath on those shorter passes. So Danny Gray's speed has been the one thing that stood out to me. Other than that, I mean, a lot of the veterans aren't even there, right? A lot of the big names. I haven't seen Trent Williams. I haven't seen Nick Bosa. Debo's not there. So, you know, you get to see the new guys, that's for sure. And when Trent first showed up, when I first saw him at training camp in 2020, 
it certainly was something. I'm not going to lie about that, man. That, that, that guy's <laughs> impressive in person. But I don't think this year the 49ers have anybody as imposing as a Trent Williams or a Kinlaw uh, that's showing up uh, new. You know, we, We've already seen all these other guys. So Danny Gray's speed has stood out to me. I think when your nickname is a silverback gorilla, it kind of starts with uh, it sort of starts with your size. You got to be imposing when you walk through those doors. You mentioned all the veterans we haven't seen to this point in camp. There is one guy we won't see anymore. That's Alex Mack, who announced his retirement from the NFL on Twitter and Instagram on Friday. Thank the cities he played for. Thank the organizations he played for. One of the better guys around the NFL. But this becomes a story now for the 49ers. What have you heard? What are you thinking about? Who do you think ends up playing that center spot for the 49ers on the offensive line? It's now a void that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have to look into? I don't think the 49ers were, were taken off guard. I think that they, they knew, and Alex might have known a lot earlier. I know we, we speculated that, that he was waffling, and there might have been a tiny bit of waffling, but the main reason that the public didn't find out until June is because the 49ers saved $1.2 to $1.3 million in 2022 salary cap space by having Alex Matt wait to retire past June 1st because a lot of that half of that uh, dead money hit gets deferred into 2023. So I think the 49ers have been bracing themselves for this. They've obviously made long-term moves for the center position. They drafted Nick Zakel, who, you know, kid out of Fordham, who they believe is a, has the smarts to play center in the future. They signed Donovan West out of ASU, a pure center, played for Herm Edwards there, John Lynch's good friend in Tempe and they also added Jason Poe an intriguing undrafted free agent really athletic but a little bit on the shorter side so they have their you know long-term bases covered those are all developmental guys you wouldn't expect them to be able to slot in right away and I think the odds-on favorite to replace Alex Mack is on the roster in Jake Brendel a player that people aren't talking about but Jake Brendel he, he's been in the league for a few years has never really caught on as, as a regular anywhere. He's only started a couple games. But when he came out of the UCLA in the draft a few years ago, he had one of the fastest 20-yard burst times, you know, in the 40-yard dash of an offensive lineman in recent memory. I mean, Jake Brendel can really move twitchy, explosive. And the reason I'm listing these attributes is that's exactly what the 49ers want out of their interior line center position because that center – He's got to be able to spring up out of the stance and he's got to be able to get, I don't want to say sideline to sideline, but hash to hash, he has to be able to get from point A to point B quickly to execute some of the tricky inside zone and outside zone blocks and Kyle Shanahan's scheme. And, and Brendel played his way onto the 53-man roster last year. He really impressed the 49ers in training camp. And you know now it's a matter of him proving that he can man the controls, not just from a physical standpoint, but also from that cerebral standpoint, but uh, I can just tell you this right now, the staff really, really likes Jake Brendel. And I think he's the favorite to start at that center position. A lot of people are going to talk about JC Treader, who's the free agent who's still available. He played for the Browns and um, obviously is familiar in the scheme, played for Kevin Stefanski. They run the outside zone over there in Cleveland, but Treader, uh, he's got sketchy knees. He's missed a lot of practice. And one thing the 49ers, I think really want is somebody that's going to be practicing day in, day out with Trey Lance since this is such a big developmental year. In terms of other position groups or other position battles, is there anything you're paying attention to or that you're looking at or, or that maybe fans should be following as we get into the summertime? Is there a battle that, that's maybe at the top of your list right now or a position group uh, where there's a position maybe up for grabs or a, a roster spot up for grabs? What do you think about what's going on across the roster? 
I'm really curious what's going to happen at the slot cornerback position just because the Rams are in the division. Cooper Cup lines up everywhere, but mostly in the slot. And you're going to have to find a, a way to neutralize not just him, but every NFL team is attacking the slot heavy. The 49ers obviously don't have K1 Williams anymore. He left in free agency to Denver. So uh, who's going to play that slot position? Because the 49ers do actually have some legitimate cornerback depth this season, especially if Jason Barrett is able to be healthy for week one, which the 49ers are actually optimistic that that's going to be the case. So on the roster, you obviously have Charvarius Ward, who is your high-priced cornerback number one. You have Emmanuel Mosley. You have Jason Verrett. Those are three starting capable corners. And uh, I would think that the 49ers would hope that Ambry Thomas would be a starting capable corner as well. And, you know, we haven't even gotten into the, the slot specialty guys. You know, somebody like Samuel Womack III, who they drafted, in this year's uh, fifth round, will he be ready to take over that slot cornerback position right away? Or the 49ers going to run like a mix and match with those four outside corner candidates they talked about, maybe with Diomino Lenore, maybe with Dante Johnson thrown in the mix. And are they going to be able to, you know, kind of shift guys into the slot whenever it's needed on those passing downs because teams are running three wide 70% of the time in the NFL. So just the, the way the secondary is going to work, that to me is fascinating. I think that Safety, too, is another position where there may be permutations outside of the standard depth chart that people don't talk about enough. You know, Talano Hufunga's taken all the snaps off the sit of Jimmy Ward, but the, the D'Amico Ryans would like to run a lot of three safety looks recently. And, you know, we'll probably get to see some of those during the regular season. So where does George Odom, the free agent, who uh, the 49ers picked up from, from Indianapolis, fit in there along with Hufunga and Ward? So stuff like that in the secondary is going to be intriguing to me because for the first time in a long time, the 49ers actually have enough depth to make like these decisions truly intriguing and not just a desperation decision. Yeah, good call. That's a that's a, an interesting position group. I, I kind of thought you might go there. I feel like whenever we talk to you, <laughs> a lot of your fascination comes from the uh, the cornerback position. Uh, is that is that true? Are you real into corners? Are you like pl- paying attention to the secondary when you're watching tape? To be honest, that, that it's interesting that you bring that up because I like all the positions. I, I, so I, I never thought that I, would, I favored the cornerback position, but I learned so much about it uh, when Richard Sherman was with the 49ers because we, we still talk all the time. And he, he still has such insight on the team because, he, I mean, he, he was there through that building process. And I don't know, I guess I guess I just have the resources there to kind of have an inside look at what's going on in, in the secondary. So I love the defensive line, too. I love talking about linebackers, but, but maybe I have a little edge for the cornerback. Yeah, I just feel like you always give us such good insight and good information on that. Uh, when I'm reading your pieces, I always notice you've got good insight on that, too. So who knows? Maybe maybe pay more attention to it this year, and you'll find yourself uh, coaching that position group at some point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think Sherman will get that job before me, but I think he wants to go yeah, to the team, right. so I think he'll be open. <laughs> Having never played uh, down a defensive back, the new 49ers cornerback coach, David Lombardi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's certainly be stuff to write on that you're right your replacement at the athletic would certainly have a, a bunch to get into in terms of how fans felt about that hiring uh before we let you go david can't go without a thought on uh, on jimmy garoppolo man we're getting closer to the window uh, about a month away from when he should be able to throw based on what the prognosis was after uh he had that shoulder surgery is your estimation that when he is able to throw the trade market will heat up or do you think this is going to be something that draws out and the 49ers wait for a sweet spot for themselves uh in order to to, uh, to maybe get something in return for him? I think the trade market will heat up based on other factors. I think that his ability to throw is what will just cause the trade market to turn on or off, right? So right now, if he's not able to throw, then just all offers are off the table. Teams are too afraid to give up draft capital for something they don't see as 100% certainty that this guy is going to be 
back with the appropriate zip on the ball. But as soon as he's able to show that that's 100% back, then you could turn the switch on and, you know, the trade market will start running again. But how hard or cold the trade market uh, will be is just is going to depend on market factors, right? So uh, that's going to be, does Carolina really want another quarterback? You know, where does Baker Mayfield versus Jimmy Garoppolo as far as the cost-benefit analysis stand in their view of things? And then, obviously, the market can enter a different realm of competitiveness and, and different level of heat, if you will, if a quarterback somewhere gets hurt or, you know, a, a lot can happen. Somebody could start really disappointing in training camp. Somebody could get arrested. I don't know. Like wild, wild stuff happens around the NFL on a yearly basis. We can never predict this. So I think that by holding Jimmy Garoppolo, essentially no cost right now. The 49ers aren't, aren't losing anything because they don't guarantee this money. They wouldn't guarantee him the money until week one. They can wait until an option like that pops up, and that would cause the trade market to, to heat up a little bit and a lot of them get some returns. So still just kind of in a waiting pattern uh, to see what happens with his throwing shoulder and then what happens around the league as to uh, how the market develops. David, always good talking to you, man. Always good insight. Appreciate the time, and uh, we'll check in with you again sometime as we get deeper into the summer. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Great stuff from David Lombardi. Make sure you're reading him and following him at Lombardi himself on Twitter. If you want to stay up to date with 49er news, also follow Matt Barrows, who's part of our 49ers coverage here on The Athletic. They'll keep you apprised of any and all 49er news and information as we get into the summer and then closer and closer to training camp and then, of course, the NFL preseason. Thank you to David Lombardi. Thank you to Brian Smith, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'll keep bringing you the top stories in Bay Area sports on Wednesday. The Warriors and the Celtics continue to square off in the NBA Finals. We can get into that later this week, as well as the Giants, who returned home this week and get ready to take on their rival, the L.A. Dodgers at Oracle Park, for the first time in 2022. All things to come in the days and weeks ahead. Until Wednesday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then. 